tonight we are covering do not envy one another. And you're like, wait, what? I thought we were doing what to do to one another. One another passages. And uh, so we've been going over love one another, be at peace with one another, serve one another. Well, there's a several passages for the next uh, four studies. We're going to go over what not to do to one another. <laughs> so we, you know, you've got serve one another, be at peace with one another. This one is what not to do with one another. So tonight is do not envy one another. That's, that's the one that we're covering tonight. So uh, if, you, if you're just now getting the outline, I had a typo where it says Colossians 5.13. It's actually Galatians 5.13. All right, so that's where we're going to uh, begin all right, Galatians chapter 5, for those of you that are in Evan's class, you know you guys have been studying this out in, in uh, Acts, but uh, for one of, I don't know if I was telling Donald this or not, but uh, a helpful tip to studying Paul's letters is that many times his letters are almost cut in half. The first half are sort of like more spiritual doctrinal, and the second half are more application, practical. And so that's how Galatians is, is really split up, is you have a lot of the doctrinal stuff about your being in Christ and every blessing is in Christ and all these things. But uh, towards the end, you, you get a lot more of the very practical things. What is right? What is wrong? How am I supposed to live? That's, that's just a, a tip for you guys as you're trying to, to, to look at some of these things. But uh, let's, before you guys are reading all of the outline, give me your definition of envy. Envy. What is the definition of envy? Don, what is the, when you think of the word envy or envious, how would you define that? Jealous. Okay. Jealous, jealousy, right? Yeah. Wanting something that somebody else has. Okay. Wanting something that someone else has. Very good. Also, for that, wanting something selfishly that someone else has, like not wanting to do it for both of you, but saying, I need this, not you. Yeah, it's almost thinking bad of the other person, almost like I wish they didn't have it and I could get it, right? Yeah, Maverick? I'd say it's like wanting Ah, so it's not just wanting it, but like I ha constantly think on it all the time, right? I've got to have it. We've all felt this. Man, those shoes, that gun, whatever it is that people just desire, that, uh, that uh, car. or and, and sometimes that's why part of the Old Testament is it says it, it, it really goes along a lot with uh, coveting. Right, That coveting is where you desire it so much that I can't stop thinking about it. I got to have it. If only, if only I could have that, then I would be happy. You know, it's, it, there's always something else to, to, to have there, right? So look at this. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start off in verse 13. And Paul says... 
to these Christians in Galatia. He says, you were called to freedom, brethren. You're called to be free. Only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So there's two one another passages here that, uh, that you guys can see. Look at verse 15. If you bite and devour, as I was studying this out, bite it has to deal with destroying, kind of eating it up. Devour has to deal with, again, kind of consuming it, destroying it. And then take care that you are not consumed by one another. Again, it has to deal with destroying. <laughs> so all of these words are, imagine that you're eating something up and it's completely gone. There's nothing left. And so he's like, basically, have you heard of the, the phrase backbiting? Backbiting? You're biting each other, right? And, and so it's backbiting. He says, be careful because ultimately you're biting each other and eventually you consume, you eat each other up. You see, you're actually destroying each other is, is what he's, he's saying here. Um, there's a lot of similarities in the word, but I thought, I don't know if you guys, do, does yours use a different one? Mine is the New American Standard, and it uses bite, devour, consume. All of them, I, I just kind of imagine like a pie or something. You bite it, you consume it, you're devouring it. You're like, man, I devoured my meal tonight, right? It, all of it sort of has this idea of taking it all in, right? Does anybody else have a different word? Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. Destroy instead of devour. Oh, consumed. Consumed. Yeah. Okay, so you had destroyed. But I like the way the New American Standard does it because it all kind of has this idea of eating, devour, consuming, biting, and, uh, and it's ultimately you're visualizing that that's what we're doing to each other. And he says, that's not how we're supposed to be towards one another, right? That, that's, that is what he's, he's saying there. Now let's go down to verse uh, 19. Cut down to verse 19. He says, now the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh, the ways of the flesh, the ways of the humanness are evident. It's plain. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Verse 21, what? Envy. envy. We, already we saw jealousy, now envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this. Just as I have warned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the opposite. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging. Here's our one another passage, right? Challenging one another and what? Envying one another. So there's our word again. We are commanded not to envy one another. Okay, here's, you guys were on the right track with the definition of, of envy. So if you have your outlines, uh, the definition of envy, the noun is the feeling of discontent. You're not happy. And you can even feel resentful, that upset about the other person that Chris brought up. You feel resentful because someone else's success or possessions. Somebody said feeling unhappy or painful. There's a painful feeling. Hateful towards someone else's, basically their good life. How come they have a good life and I don't? How come they have good health and I don't? How come they have a, such a great marriage and I don't? How come they get a house like that and I don't? How come they have the money and I don't? Right? It's, it's, it's this constantly, like, whatever it is, that's good, and I don't have it. The verb is the desire to have the possessions or qualities of that person. It may not be possessions. Like, you may not care about clothes. You may not care about cars. You may not care about things, but you care about their health. Like, you, you're envious of their health. You're envious of their relationships. You see, the, 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 there's, this, there's this idea of a quality of life that they have. Why are they so happy? Why, why, why do they seem to have this joy? I want that. And it's not fair that they have it, and I don't. And I start to think bad about them, right? So it, it, can, it can fall into that. Now, let's look at the difference between envy and jealousy. And the Bible will overlap, so, so don't take this as... It's exactly like this. But I like the way that this, this explained it. Envy takes at least two people. Where you feel bad because others have what I don't. That just requires one person. That's just that one person has something that I don't have and I really want it. That just requires one other person. The way they explained this was jealousy takes at least three people. That it's a... Because is our God a jealous God? Now, look, listen to this definition. I like this. It says, jealousy is to feel protective or threatened about being replaced by someone else in the relationship. Now, does God feel threatened about being replaced by someone else? Does he feel threatened? Threatened has an idea of fear to me. Threatened. To threat, is a, you threatening me? That's a threat. Or is he protective? Do you see the difference? I don't know if you, you see any difference in those words. But is God protective about being replaced by someone else? Yes. But is he threatened? Like, does he feel afraid of the other person? And so... Normally, 
What makes jealousy a sin? We feel threatened by the other person. You see, I feel threatened, so I'm going to start talking bad about them. I'm going to start talking about them. I'm going to start, you know, telling you don't even be around them because I feel threatened. And it starts to create fear, and I start thinking bad. But can I be protective that I do not want you to be taken away from me and led into to sin? Can I be protective of that? I'm not threatened. Like, if you do decide to do that, that doesn't change who I am. Like, God, God is God whether I decide to follow him or not. It, my, my relationship to him is not going to change who he is, you see. But for me, when it becomes a sin, is I, I believe that if this relationship changes, then I start to feel negatively and I that's when I start to act in a lot of bad ways. I don't know if, if you guys see a difference in that or not. But, but threatened, God is not threatened. I don't see God being threatened by anybody or anything. He's not threatened. But is he protective? Without a doubt. God is a jealous God. He does not want to share his relationship with us with anyone or anything else. Nothing else is to come between him and and us. Ultimately, he wants our relationship. Does that make sense to you guys? So anyway, Evan? So what do we do when we read about Jesus being threatened by the chief priests and the scribes? Is that a feeling of threatened? Yeah, can I be threatened and not be fearful of that? Could be. Yeah, like there's a threat. You, it says they threatened me, but do I feel threatened? You, you know, like, yeah, you threatened me. Like, are you threatening me? But I'm like, Okay, yeah, so how, however it's phrased. Yeah, Donald? Could you give us an example of what you're talking about? I mean, I'm trying to picture somebody or me getting threatened by another person. And what is it? What is an example? Like what? If uh, uh, somebody was bigger than me or somebody uh, had more money or somebody had, a, uh, I don't know, better clothes than me or something? I don't get the threat part. Yeah, I, I didn't mean for this whole, I was just, this was just sort of a side point, but uh, I, I didn't even want, this was just sort of like, just, you know, just this idea that when I think of threat, uh, do I feel threatened? Do I feel afraid in any way? Do I feel afraid like you're belittling me? Do I feel like you're going to hurt me? Do I feel like you're going to embarrass me? Do I feel like you're going to uh, replace me? Well, again, there's there's a relationship here, right? So so we said there's 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 got to be three people. I have a relationship with my wife, okay? So Divine and I. The, if if she starts calling somebody a guy every day, she starts going out to dinner with him all the time and not with me, not talking to me. Now, do I feel threatened that she is going to leave me for him? Like this, she's going to replace me with him. You see, now I feel threatened and, and I have this jealousy, like what's going on here? I don't want this to happen. I feel afraid. I, I start feeling upset, right? So, so 
Am I protective of my wife in this relationship? Yes. But is it going to lead me to sin? Like, do I want to sin? No. Like, am I, God wants to protect this relationship, but he doesn't feel threatened. Like, he, he, he doesn't need me to fulfill his goodness, you see. And so what happens is when I feel that somebody else is, is going to take that from me, I will destroy that person. And this happens sometimes even like even with um, like uh, if if like in the congregations, this happens within congregations, like you get really close to somebody, you have a best friend or you really get to know somebody really well and someone else comes into the picture and they, this middle person starts spending more time with them. And, and I'm like, how, how come they have a better friendship than, than we do? You see? And so, like, I want that relationship. So you know what I might do is I'll tell you, do you know that they're a gossip? Do you know they're like this? So maybe... Maybe if I can talk bad about that person, then maybe this person will come back to me. And that happens within the church. You see that, that people call them cliques, but you can't help but have closer relationships with people in the congregation. Just think of your own families, right? In your own families, do you get along better with certain people than, than you do with others, right? There's certain commonalities well what happens is let's say we're starting to get really close and then somebody comes into the congregation and these guys click it off and I don't feel like I have the same relationship like I feel threatened that I'm going to lose this friendship and so I might start talking bad about them I might start treating them or ignoring them I don't know if that makes sense yeah it does but I guess I'm trying to figure out where the sin comes in. Being jealous and envious or, you know, like with the example of you and Divine, if you were jealous, that's understandable, right? And if, But if you take it further, like trying to spread rumors or some, do something to this guy, that's a sin, right? Right. But having that feeling of jealousy... Correct. That that's the protective, right? Because God is jealous. God is a jealous God, right? So that jealous, just like anger is not a sin. It says, be angry and do not sin. So be jealous, but don't, don't be sinful in your, like, so if I was to use the word protective of this relationship, am I protective? Yes. But am I to, to use sinful ways of dealing with it? Instead, like my wife is talking to this guy, instead of gossiping and slandering and like getting, you know, just mad. What does God say? I am to go to her, talk with her, confront her in the situation, talk to that guy specifically, right? I'm not allowed to, to cuss them out, gossip, slander, you know, all of those things that we tend to do, right? We, we manipulate, we try to lie. I mean, we try every other way except I need to talk to my wife. You, I have noticed that you're spending more time with them. You're talking more with them. Is that, you, 
and the person that, that I'm talking, I'm like, hey, man, you're talking to my wife, right? I can do that without sinning. You see, I can do those things without sinning. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's what God does for us is, is he confronts our sin in our relationship. He'll say, what you're doing is wrong. You're practicing idolatry. He will call us out on that. He's like, I don't want to share you with any other God. You are to love the Lord your God and only him. And I'll call you out on that. Does that make sense? So God doesn't sin in his protectiveness, right? So anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a good answer or not, but did, did Jesus feel threatened when he was teaching? I don't believe Jesus was threatened by anybody. Okay. Hopefully that uh, didn't muddy the waters. Let's, uh, going back to covet, right? Number three, definition of covet is sort of that strong desire with envy for what someone else has or what may be forbidden, right? That it, it, it may not be what somebody has, but something that is forbidden, like I'm not supposed to have it. It may not, so coveting could be something else. It, it doesn't, I'm not necessarily envying a specific person, but I'm coveting uh, a particular item or whatever that is. What are some examples? Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for those of you that were here Sunday night, uh, I had you guys go through 1 Corinthians 12. And if you read 12, 13, and 14, they all go together. And did you guys see that it, it, it's the part where it says, that desire the more greater gifts. Did you guys remember that uh, from, from Sunday night? It says that you were supposed to desire the greater gifts. And, and I heard multiple groups saying, well, what's the greater gift? If you read 12, 13, and 14, it seems like, it seems like people were kind of getting puffed up or prideful about being able to speak in tongues. It seems like speaking in tongues somehow became this like, prideful, I can speak in tongues and you can't. And you could see how this could create envy. Like, oh man, I wish I could speak in tongues. It, it could create this envy and, and jealousy in, in the congregation. And Paul is like, you know what? You need to desire the greater gift. And what is a greater gift? Chapter 13, love. <laughs> So for those of you that were wondering what the greater gift is, if you just went to chapter 13, it's love. Love is the greater gift. That's, that's the gift that is greater because he says where there's tongues, they'll stop. Where there's prophecy, it'll stop. Where there's knowledge, it's going to stop. But guess what won't stop? Love. And then he, at the end of it, he says, you know what? There's faith, hope and love, but the greatest of all of these is love. love. You see, so chapter 12 and 14, you're dealing with all of this maybe jealousy, envy, division over who has the greater gifts and how they're used. And right in the middle, in chapter 13, he says, you want to know what the greatest gift is? It's love. That, that's what the greatest gift is. So that's why 12, 13, and 14 is awesome, is uh, 
love is the greatest gift. Now, the second example I thought I would share with you guys is Genesis chapter 4. Remember Cain and Abel. Now, let's think about this, right? Did they both offer sacrifices to God? Yes. It says, God accepted Cain's, or I'm sorry, Abel's. He accepted Abel's sacrifice, but did not accept Cain's. So, how did how did Cain respond? What was, what, what's the first thing that's told to us about Cain when it says God did not accept his sacrifice? Ah, why has your countenance, why has your face fallen? So basically, how many of us, maybe it's us, but our emotions are all over our face, you know? With little kids, we say, you're pouting. Stick your lip out. <laughs> scrunch your eyes. You know? So countenance, it, like, God is like, why, why are you pouting? Like, why are you, his, when it says his countenance had fell, it's his face, his, his body language is he's upset. God accepted my brothers and not mine? What? You see, and it's showing on his face, and he says, why has your countenance fallen? You see that? So, so now, again, it doesn't use the word envy, okay? It doesn't use the word envy. But do you see an envious or jealous attitude here between Cain and Abel. Do you see that? Because, because how, how would you explain it? Like kind of thinking about what is he envious of? What would he be envious of? God's approval. God's, I think it uses the word favor. And do you know another word for favor is grace. God gives grace or God gives favor. You see, it's his, his blessings, right? So you're envious of the goodness, the blessings, the recognition from God, right? Now, do you think it's that or do you think it's the relationship? Do you think he's like, now he has a better relationship with my brother than he does with me. Or do you think it's the results? Like he's going to get more good things and I'm not going to get the good things. Or is it the relationship? Like he, he looks at him better now. Like he, he's the favored one. And God is going to kind of put me lower now. Is that how God works? Or does God have enough love to go around for everybody? Enough blessings? Enough favor? Does God have enough for everybody? Because isn't that the way our society works is when we believe that there's not enough. This is an important thing, guys. When we believe that there's not enough, guess what we tend to do? When the pandemic started, what happened to all the toilet paper? We hoard, we hold on to, 
we become stingy, right? And so what happens is when we, in our minds, believe that there's not enough, I got to get mine. I got to get mine because there's not enough. And when everybody starts feeling that way, I'm sorry that you got left out, but I've got to take care of my family. That's the way that our society works. But it's not the way that our God works. You see, that's the animal. That's the flesh. That's the, that's the way the animals work is it's all about getting mine. And they will do whatever it takes. Yeah, Donald? So, did uh, Scripture say anything about Cain, the Cain and Abel, that that Cain was not just envious, but also felt bad because he felt less than, uh, prideful, so to speak. It doesn't use a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot given here. So you're having to sort of fill in a lot of the details. And so that's why, again, it doesn't use the word envious. It doesn't give us his feelings, except that it says his countenance fell, right? So that's, that's one of the things that we see here. But but notice, go to verse 6 if you're there. It's God asks Cain, and I love this about God. He says, why are you angry? So there's the feeling. He says, why are you angry? So the Bible says his countenance fell, but God says, why are you angry? So this envy has led to anger. That anger wasn't there before. Now he's angry with his brother. For what? What has his brother done to him? What did Abel do to his brother? Nothing. See, that's the deal. He did nothing to his brother. He didn't do something to him or against him. But because of what he and God did, he did the right thing. He's mad. You see, at work, does this happen sometimes that you told the truth or you did the right thing and somebody gets mad because you did the right thing? You see, just because you did the right thing, they're upset with you. It, it didn't even have anything to do with you, right? And so Jesus, if you think about Jesus, if you think that he was never sinful against anybody, he never gossiped against somebody, slandered against somebody. He never mistreated anybody, ever. And yet, they hated him. You see? Yeah. I think it's interesting. The verse, he says, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fell? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and it desires it's for you and you should rule over the next verse it's like either they had a conversation and it's not written down but I like to interpret this as Cain ignored God because the next verse he's killing his brother alright you're getting ahead right that's right so look at your notes here right here you read my notes right so yeah no no look at look at the notes here because it says that God gave favor to Abel, Cain desires that favor. So God is going to give a choice, just like what Ezekiel said. He's like, okay, 
Here's the deal. If you will just repent, basically, you're going to get the same thing. So he's giving him a choice. God is like, hey, man, it's not like I'm, not, I'm withholding this from you. You know, what, why are you so upset? Like, if you'll just repent, then you're going to receive the same favor here. But if you don't, here's the, here's the consequences. Here's the, sin is crouching at, its door, at your door, and it will devour you. This is going to become a terrible situation for your life if you follow this. So he's giving him a choice, kind of like here's the tree of life, here's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. He's doing that with, with Cain. If you conquer it, which to me shows that you have a choice in your sin, not like you can't help it. Hold on. So if you go here... Notice then in your notes that God showed Cain how to receive his favor. Repent. But Cain chose otherwise. How do we know that? Based upon his actions. Actions show what you choose. Does this seem like be careful that you do not bite and devour because you will become consumed. And that word consumed is destroy one another. You see, it started with this envy, led to anger. Anger led to destroying. And if you guys follow the, the lineage of Cain, what happens to all of his children and children's children and all of that, they invent weapons of war, they become just a wicked people. They become a wicked people. Does that make sense to you guys? So to me, this is an example of envy. Yeah, Chris? Uh, I also think it's pretty interesting because a lot of times when you get that threatened version of like jealousy or envy and such, it comes from an internal feeling of like inadequacy. Um, and I, I know some of the people that I know who are most, like, confident, least jealous, they, they have this sense of, like, purpose, like, they know who they are, and they have, like, and most of the people that I know are Christians, and they're really, very well stood in their faith, and I think that just, like, goes to show as an example as well of there's only a peace and a confidence that you can get from God to fight off all of these things in the world because you're going to fight it as much as you want, but God's going to be the only thing that's going to get you out of this jealousy, out of the envy, out of the pain kind of thing. Great point, right? When we feel inadequate, we don't feel like we're enough. God could never love me. My dad would never love me. My mom could never love me. My spouse, my husband, my, they would never love me unless I am good enough, unless I am smart enough, unless I'm something enough. But when we look to God and he says, you're enough because I love you. I created you. I have given my son for you, right? Then, then like what Chris is saying, I'm content, right? Like I'm good and I'm not having to, to need 
people's approval. Like I don't have to have them patting me on the back. I don't have to, or if they gossip about me, it's not like I'm crushed. This is horrible. Life is terrible, right? Because everything is tied up of what people think of me and say about me. So just as you crave for the goodness, what about when it's the bad, right? It, 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 can, it can go both ways. Yeah, Donald? Yeah, I was thinking uh, sibling rivalry. I mean, we learned this when we were little kids. I come from a six kind of large family, six people, six brothers, sisters. And uh, I remember that as a kid. And then we grow up, we have years to make that uh, kind of, you know, the way we want to live, and when we reach adulthood, you know, then we're, but like you said, you know, fine. Yes, that's right, because big families, man, you are fighting for attention, and this sounds like possibly Joseph and the coat of many colors, that who got the favor? Joseph, and what did his brothers do to him? right? Ultimately wanted to kill him. They hated him, right? And, and it gets back to that, that you're fighting for this attention. There's an inadequacy. There's something missing that I need something from my dad, from my wife, from my friend, from my work, from my neighbors, from my, I need you guys to, to confirm that I'm good and will always be lacking, will always be lacking. So it's not until we get all of that from God that you know what? People use the word self-esteem. That's, that's the, the, the big word when I was growing up is, oh, you're, you're lacking self-esteem. You've, you've got to have self-confidence. <laughs> you know how that comes about? By thinking less of self. So many times people are like, oh, you've got you to gotta give everybody a trophy so they all feel better about themselves. No. They didn't all win. You see, that's not the way it works. But with God, with God, he says, you are my child. And when I don't feel like I'm lacking, then there's enough love for everybody. Like God is not going to give this person all the love and then I'm just left out here in the cold, poor me, you know. So this is a huge, I mean, this envy is something that, that many times, Evan and I were talking about this, that, that, you know, we can name off what we say, big sins. Oh, I don't murder, I don't commit adultery, you know, all these. We'll, we'll name off big sins. Do you know how many of us in here struggle with envy? Hmm. Every single one of us. Do you know what the big sin that, that, that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7? Covet. He's, he's like, Man, I don't want to covet, but I do. Do you think, when you think of Paul, do you think of somebody who is driven, like just had goals and, and just had a motivation to accomplish great things for the Lord? Well, that same desire for great things can also be applied to things that are not inside of God's boundaries. You see, so guess what was his strength was also a struggle. It has to be within the boundaries. 
you see? And so there's this, there's this, uh, there's, like you said, this, this feeling, right, that, that, that's there. So let's go to number five here. Um, how to recognize envy. If you catch yourself talking destructively towards others, possibly complaining against them, like talking bad about them, putting them down, slander, gossip, or you're looking for arguments, you're looking for it to, to argue with them. This is the word in uh, verse 26, in Galatians 5 and verse 26. Look at Galatians 5, 26. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another. Do you see that word challenging one another? Does somebody else have a different word? Provoke. God doesn't want us to be provoking each other. Like I'm looking to get into an argument. I'm looking to confront somebody. Like I'm just... I'm ready to call somebody out. He says, don't challenge one another. That, that's an attitude. It's a spirit. You see, there's a fleshly spirit and a fruit of the spirit. And so he, he's saying that we're not to be challenging. And if you guys look at it, he, when he says, let us not become boastful, that's the command. And he gives two participles of how to fulfill that command. So boastful is talking big kind of flatter, you know, trying to, trying to tell people how, how good you are, how much you know, how whatever. And, and so he says, how, how? How am I not supposed to do this? Number one, calling people out, challenging them, provoking them. Number two, envying them, to look at what they have and, and to desire that. So I got to be careful Am I talking bad about them just because they annoy me? I don't like them. Well, why don't I like them? Could it be that they have something that I actually desire? You know? Could that be the case? That as parents, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but they said the child that annoys you the most could very well be the one that is most like you. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before, but the thing that annoys you the most could be because that's what you recognize in yourself, right? So whatever, take it. F but here's the thing. Could that happen with our brothers and sisters yeah. as well, that there's something that they're doing, or is it, like if I was to think about it, what, what upsets me about them? Could it be that there is a, a hint of envy in me? You know, what, what's my purpose of complaining against them, gossiping against them, or, or challenging them? You know, what is that? Or do I try to avoid them because I get upset? Like, just being around them upsets me, and I don't want to be around them. You know, when I'm around that, I'm, I'm like, I don't like it because they have this and I don't, so why be around it? Instead of being annoyed or, or upset with what they have, could it be that I actually could flip that feeling to admiration? Like, I admire that. I admire the good relationship they have with their kids. 
and instead of like thinking bad about it because I have a bad relationship with my kids, could it be that I could just admire it and maybe get close to them and maybe try to learn something from them? Instead of talking about, you know, they think they're all that and, and you know, they're, they're stuck up because they got all this money. And in reality, I wish I had a little bit more money. And if I would just hang out with them a little bit, they would share advice and maybe give me some wisdom on how to handle my money, you know? Could that be a situation where I turned that feeling of being irritated by them to admiring these good traits in them, right? Um, could, that, could that be? Number three is uh, you start to tell yourself destructive things. Like, yeah, they have all these things, but I could never get that. That's a lie. Or, or you start to say, I don't deserve those things. I don't deserve it. I deserve what I, what's happened in my life. Those, those are lies. Or if you're constantly thinking about what they have, the kind of that, and, and what I don't have, complaining, it can lead to depression, where it's always what I don't have, always how bad things are, instead of looking at how good, how blessed, how favored I am by God. Does that make sense? So anyway, our time is up. Um, I appreciate you guys' time, and uh, it gave you some notes on how to combat it. Uh, you can maybe get some more time in there on um, Galatians and see what you guys come up with. So thank you guys for your time.